Hey, this is Rabbi Zev Bennett. And Ariella Anushi. Welcome to episode four of Embodied Torah. This episode is titled by popular demand, since it's time! It happens to be that it's that time of year, so we're going to be talking about a seasonal episode, even though this is also part of a series that is not necessarily a seasonal Correct. series, but it's the kind of thing that when you get exposed to the deeper side of how the Jewish calendar works, I think it's fair to say that even if it seems like it's seasonal because it is linked to the way the year works actually agriculturally, these things are macrocosms of the microcosmic versions of these things that we have inside of ourselves. So that's why it's not really a yearly thing in that microcosmic sense. So that's right, why but we're also supposed to be living with the times and there are opportunities for growth throughout the Jewish calendar. And when we plug into them, it's transformative and chaval. It's... it's Chaval to miss out on those exactly. opportunities. It's basically plugging into the time to get the opportunities, and then, but also to not let it make the series be too seasonal. Correct. But, that, but that's fine. Okay. <laughs> so let's see. So what are we going to talk about with this episode in terms of Parma Ariella? Oh my gosh. This is my favorite time of year. Yeah. I get super excited about it. Um, well, we know that Chazal say that 30 days before a Chag is when you're supposed to start preparing for that Chag. So we're about to begin Purim. And what's 30 days before Purim? Uh, Tu Bishvat. Yeah. Let's do the math on that, yeah. Yeah, so we have Tu Bishvat is the preparation for Purim. That's funny, because actually usually whenever I think about 30 days before the Chag and Purim time, I'm always thinking about it's 30 days before Pesach. But yeah, I, I don't think I've ever, until you said that, I don't think I've ever once thought about how Tu Bishvat is 30 days before Purim, and that can be viewed as some kind of preparation for Purim. So I guess how would you describe the preparation of Tu Bishvat specifically targeting Purim? Excellent question. So, I mean, Tubishvat, we usually brush it off as this minor holiday, right. like go plant some trees and, you know, um, but it's it's talking about the concept of, of rooting, of knowing where we're grounded, where, where we are planting ourselves. And if we think about roots, roots are not just meant, they go deep into the earth, right? And they're not just meant to create stability so that when winds come, we don't topple over they're also drawing nutrients up from the earth so there's this relationship of going down into the earth in order to draw mm, that's cool draw up there's this right. relational um there's a relationship a two-way relationship it's not just one direction of i'm pressing down into the ground or just taking it is digging deep in order to receive strength sustenance support right that's very deep, literally, but it's actually like that. That actually is very like just just thinking about that in terms of how it's really. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of discussion with Tu B'Shvat is how it's supposed to be that we are like trees. Like it's kind of like that funny version of the pasuk. It's somewhere in Bamidbar about Ki Adam Hu Eitz Hasadeh. Exactly. But like when you actually think about that for a second, like the pattern of exploration of existence that we're constantly undergoing is digging deeper and deeper trying to get to what's all the way at the root which is the source of all life and energy which is hashem right but we're not meant to stay in the in the darkness of the earth we're meant to draw that up in order to expand in order to grow right and it's also really interesting the pasuk that you brought we're not a tree alone on a hilltop we're not meant to exist on our own we're part of an of an orchard we're part of a field Mm -hmm. and and we're meant to be connecting to to be aware of the other trees around us because when the roots go down, they intermingle with with one another. We're drawing energy, we're drawing sustenance from the same earth. So who are we choosing to plant ourselves with? Mm-hmm. And 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 that really starts to bring us into the energy of of perm as well. Right. So I guess before we go to that, um, I'm just thinking just as you're talking about it, like just 
because Tubish Fight is almost like the turning point from in the winter, where it's you're kind of going from the the going into winter to starting to climb out of winter. And so I guess like just a, just like as a general background, just to sort of ha- like the whole patterning of the of the agricultural calendar, the Jewish calendar, and the agricultural patterns of, of like the the just I guess the country or nature. So like it almost it's almost like there's like these there's like these waves. You know, so it's kind of like you have you have the if we start from the winter, so you have basically it's, it's right after Sukkot, then you get into like the we're climbing down into darkness basically, but then we that that the turning point is there where you basically start going back towards springtime, and then Adar is like the it's the ending of the winter where it's still cold and it's still very like you're kind of waiting for the tr- for the transition to the next phase, and that's why it's the month that's full of tension where it's like the things that are all there in potential are still like buried underneath, and then we're, we're waiting for them to burst out. And then they do burst out finally in Nissan. And then really Nissan is the beginning of this then because then it's like, well, then now we had that big reveal and then it kind of builds into whatever Shavuos is. And like, basically it's like you have these patterns in the year. Yeah. So I guess like that, we'll, maybe we'll, we'll come back to that macro picture as we build this out. Because right now we're kind of like microing it specifically in the area of the, of Tubishvat going into Purim and then going into Pesach. Um, but so I guess, so what you're basically saying is Tubishvat is like the middle of the winter and then it's like this. It's like a preparation it's, phase. It's it's before the before the flowers have really begun revealing themselves, especially this year. To be the yeah. the shkedio were not yeah. <laughs> were not blossoming yet. Right. Um, but but we know that that the real deep inner work is taking place. The I think Chazal say that the sap begins to flow. Um, around Tu mm-hmm. there's there is there's internal movement taking place even though it hasn't yet been revealed right, right. and already now at perm time we're seeing flowers blossoming mm-hmm. you go around you can see it's 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 so beautiful it's not in its full blossom like we're going to experience during Pesach but but it's there right um and 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 that's and that's part of this transition we're 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 all in charge of doing our own internal work that other people are not necessarily going to see. Um, and, but then Purim comes. And what's Purim all about? What are the mitzvot of Purim? Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Manot, We're meant to be Seudat Purim. We're supposed to be interacting with one another. That it can't just be, I'm doing all of this internal work and I'm staying and just me and Hashem and, and I got this. No, we have to be interacting with one another. Um, so if we want to experience the, the heights of Purim, right, we need to know where we're grounded. We need to know where we're drawing our sustenance and our, and our support and our, and our inspiration from, and we need to be connecting and expanding outward to our friends and our community and our non-friends, right? It, right. It, it, there's a, there's a big tikkun that we're supposed to be giving, giving Mishloach Manod and yeah, I I'm going to eat your food right. and, <laughs> um, and I'm going to trust you and, and I'm going to feel connected to you because that's, that's the point of Purim. And it's, it's really, it's, it's putting yourself out there. It's actually, we can call that branching out to use the tree, can do the tree analogy. That's yes, actually what it is, it. right? Because why, yeah, let's go all the way. It's a great pun. Let's just go. Like branching out, that, that's what you're doing. It's like, you're basically, I mean, how often do you just go to your neighbors? I remember when we first moved into our house when I was little, like in Highland Park and our neighbors just, they were not Jewish. They just came over and they brought us like, I think it was an apple pie. We did not know them at all. And I was like, this is like, at the time I was obviously not thinking very sophisticatedly about this. I was like, that's really nice. And then like, as I think about it now, I'm like, that's exactly the kind of thing that you just think, oh, someone's moving 
moving in across the street. I don't know them at all. I'll just now branch out, and now we're going to get to know each other, and you yeah. give someone food. It's a great way to do that. So you really see that happening there. So yeah, yeah. that's very cool. I guess um, I was also going to... It's just something that you said on the, in terms of the um, like the the being rooted, but then also being in Purim, is that Purim always seems like it operates... Like, in the future, the, like, every day is Purim. Like, Olam Haba is, like, like basically a combination of Purim and Shabbos. You know, it's like Shabbos is... It's supposed to be like like is Yom Shakulo Aroch It's like it's it's Shabbos, but it's also Purim, and the the reason for that is because the whole like the the theme is that Purim is like a normal day where you just see what's on the surface, but that normalcy is like also simultaneously being perceived through the dot the perception of Hashem's presence, and that's you know we discussed a little bit before like just in earlier episodes like looking at somebody when you're talking to them and like you see you see the eyes you see their their body, but then there's the self that is sort of shining through and to be able to see both of those like in synchrony almost like at the same time that's like right. the whole part of concept so what you're saying is basically like it's not like what it sounds like to me is like it's reminding me of this is like that the it's like you're rooted we're all kind of these rooted beings that are plugged into hashem underneath and yet on the surface we're just kind of walking around doing these things and also i was going to also another thing i want to say from before that i just forgot was that that pasuk about the adam eats thing so it's talking about a war. In other words, it's talking about fruit trees. Yeah. You're not supposed to chop down fruit trees because it says, that it's like a fruit tree. Like, is it like, is it a person that you should be cutting it down in the face of like your war machine? And so like, if you think about that, like the focus on fruit trees there is that like, that's basically what we are. We're basically yeah. making fruit and like we're, put, we're making things in the world and that's like our normal life process that we do all the time. And then, we we're supposed to be rooted in Hashem, and then we go around sharing the fruit that right. we create with each other. And trees don't have frontal lobes to confuse them and overthink things right. and <laughs> and and take them away from their purpose of existence, which right. is to just channel Hashem's light and create beautiful fruit. Right. And that's that's part of what we're trying to tap into on Purim. We're we we're, we're trying to turn off that turn down the control of the frontal lobe of of reasoning and and logic and and let Hashem's light flow through us and in the I think it was episode 2 when we were talking about the breath we were talking about how the practice of inviting the awareness of your breath to flow through your entire body and what happens when we we take this idea of of the rooting the grounding into bishva and, and invite that awareness through the breath, through presence, through the mind, through vis- visualization, and really allow it to expand through all of us, through our entire being, and, and go into Purim like that. Right, yeah. Right? We're, we're channeling Hashem's, Hashem's light, Hashem's love, and, and, and connecting in that way, both to ourselves and to our neighbors, our family, our community. Right. So I guess I guess what I would what I would want to ask next, just in terms of like um, tactics or techniques, is like, let's say a person is shy or like has like, and we're all shy in some form, like especially with new people, but even with friends that maybe we want to become more close to, and we we deliberately make them like a special mishloach manos that like you know instead of just kind of a bag of candy, like you actually go and make some things and you give it. So so how would like I guess what are some good mental or like could be thought-based techniques or also breathing techniques or just things to think about to sort of become more uh, both more comfortable but almost like to to actualize this idea like with when doing those kinds of actions like going to visit people and then like how can we become more like 
okay with ourselves as we do instead of feeling insecure with new people, like things like that. Do you have any good yoga techniques or something mm, like that? I mean, grounding. Right. Grounding. So, so hand at the heart, I, we call this home base, one hand at the heart, one hand at the abdomen. And then just checking in with yourself. Allow, allow yourself a moment before you're interacting with someone else to channel what is the purpose of, of this giving that I'm about to do. Right. Is it, is it me, my ego that's giving this? Or am I fulfilling Hashem's desire to be connecting in this way? And, and then from that place of really setting your intention and, and this physical contact of the body helps to calm the nervous system mm-hmm. so we get out of the frontal lobe and go back into that channeling. Um, and then the hands are an extension of the heart. Right. Right. And and letting that giving come from the heart. Right. Come from a, a place of awareness and intention. Yeah. Right. And then if you're comfortable, make eye contact. Right. Smile. That, that's, that's really what this is. Look at the it's, look at the person right. who's behind the those eyeballs. Right. <laughs> that is that is receiving your gift and 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 allow that moment of actual connection. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, like, obviously when I ask it, like, you know, I'm, I'm asking for myself, essentially. <laughs> I mean, and the reason is because I think that it's, um, like, we all, it, it's, it, many times, and this is something just to think about, like, when you're receiving Mishloch Manos also, it's actually sometimes even more important when receiving them, because I think that a lot of us, we care a lot, and maybe we don't always show it. In other words, it's hard to, like, go up to somebody that you know somewhat, that you care about, and you're trying to do something nice for them, and genuinely show that you care by giving them some kind of special Mishalas Manos, like we're saying. Yeah. And then, so, when you're on the receiving end, to, like, think, like, this might mean something to them, and, and I should think about that. And, yeah. again, I know there's also, you know, one of the struggles of Mishalas Manos when you receive, you have to give them back. No, so right. I was I was yeah. about to say, I'm 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 actually, um, I'm pretty makhpid. I give, like, one or two Mishalas Manos. I try to emphasize more Matanot Lev Yonim. I think that in our modern society, we've fallen into the pitfall of... Um, Overemphasizing, making sure all of our close friends get right, the fanciest, exactly. nicest things, and like, how much money are we spending on Mishloch Manod, and how much money are we spending on Mantanot Lev Yonim? Yeah. Like, I, part of my Purim prep, um, and I make sure to do this with my son, is is we go and we make sure that we have cash available to give out to people, and we go to the Makoled and and help pay off people's tabs, that, awesome. and they know who can't pay off their tabs and like right. go and, and give Matanot Lev Yonim, right? And over the past few years, as I've really been adopting this um, this approach of giving less Mishloch Manot, um, I've had people come and they give me and it's been a huge practice for me to be able to receive and let go of the expectation that I'm supposed to give. Because if I, if there's an assumption from me or from them that I have to give something is that really giving? Right, such a good example. It's, it's not example. really giving. Right. It's it's we're gonna trade now. I give right. you something, you give me exactly. something. But if you really want to allow the person to give to you, you have to receive it without any expectation right. of anything right. except for receiving and and letting that letting that be. 
and it's it's a really beautiful thing that that happens when right. you when you get over the discomfort of of your internal dialogue of shoot I'm supposed to give them something I don't have anything to give that's them awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's... Um, it, but it makes the it makes the giving that much more meaningful and right. the receiving yeah I mean it's reminding me like um, Rav Ashlag has like this in his introduction to the to the Zohar he has like this this analogy that he uses to explain because like Hashem basically he's He's um, mashpia, which like means like he's bestowing, you know, like he's always trying to give. And then like we're kind of designed initially in like in a form of just what's called to be like mikablim. We're just and, and we're where there's he has like these two different kinds of likabel. It's like there's just like pure receiving where you just receive in order to take. And then there's like likabel not la shpia. And he has, so he he basically uh, outlines this analogy of um, of two friends and one is trying to give to the other one. And the other one, he 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 protests like he refuses it, and that's actually the, that's what that's the the barrier of tzimtzum that Ravashlag is trying to convey in the analogy. It's like being able to say no and saying I don't want to receive your gift because then when I when I end up saying yes ultimately, so now I'm actually I'm doing something for you by receiving your gift because because you want to give it so much, so then I'm actually giving you something in return by receiving yeah. it, and that's I think like that's really what you're saying. In other words, like actually and. I don't want to say it in a too harsh of a language, but it's almost like if you feel that you need to give something back because someone gave you Mishalaf Manos, then you're actually not effectively doing the receiving in order to give. In other words, because you're trying so hard to be a mashpia also to give something that you're not letting the other person be the giver in the situation yeah. and you being the receiver who is giving through receiving. And that's really the, the dynamic we're trying to create here, which is that in order to create bonds, like when Hashem tries to create bonds with us, so he, he extends his light in that analogy that Ramashan is using, he shares himself with us. And then our our gift to Hashem is that we receive and by receiving in that way, we're giving. It's not that we give something back to Hashem separately that we're giving you something. It's the, the very receiving is the gift. Yeah. And I think the, the way you just said it now is so striking for me. It was just very sharp because I, I we all kind of know there's like this social contract vibe of like, you gave to me, I have to give to you, I feel bad. And it's like, you have to actually, like, you know, speaking of like insecurities, like having a hard time going up to someone that you don't know as well or someone that you want to get to know better or even people that you do know but you don't give them gifts that often, whatever. Like, that's one struggle. But like, I think this is actually harder. And I'm just thinking about it. It's like, that's actually a bigger challenge. It's it's sort of like the chesed of gvura. Yeah, it's exactly what it's exactly what it is. The chesed of gvura. Yeah. Yeah. It's by by holding yourself in, you're actually able to give and really exactly. making what they did matter. That's really that's like so striking. And, and and I I really I feel like it's it's bigger. It's like an actual. It's a it's a harder avoda. Maybe it's just nowadays because we're we have thank God we have a lot. We have a lot to give. We have a lot of food that we give out and whatever. As you said, it's like people spend a lot of time making mishlas manos. Maybe that's why this is a bigger challenge because we're so used to. I invite you, you have to invite me back, like that kind of culture. And really the avoda here is the not giving. That's really cool. Yeah, I love that. Wow. Yeah. It just blew my mind. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so I guess um, maybe like, uh, so how does this lead into Pesach? That's probably a good oh. thing. Is, is that too much for to do that all in one episode? Um, no, because it's all so connected. It's all right. building on, on one another. And... If we go into Purim, recognizing that Purim is the preparation for Pesach, how is that going to affect our Purim? Right. Right. The per. It's context. on the one hand, we are we are fully immersed in Purim, but but we're also drawing from from Tu Bishvat and setting intentions already for Pesach. Right. 
So if Pesach is about freedom, about leaving Yitzhak Mitzrayim, leaving the Mitzarim, right? So how do, we, how do we become free? How do we create expansiveness in the narrowest? Right. It's really, I mean, when, you, when, we, when we're just articulating it this way, it's, what's really cool about that is that it's not, it's, it's just less powerful when you look at these things in isolation. Yeah. And when you when you think about the Chazal that you opened with about how you know thirty days before the Chag preparing, I think you know often we think about it halachically, like especially with Pesach, right? It's like learning all of Hilchos Pesach, trying to like remember what you're supposed to do, and then not being super successful at that because it's so complicated. Um, but like the the, the energetic big, preparation that were that is available to us to tap into is it takes it to a whole different place, right? And it's and it's it's big picture. Yeah. So when it's big picture, again, like sometimes people ask, people have asked me, like Hilchos Pesach seems like it's so neurotic. Like there's like you know crumbs of bread. Like there's there's so many interesting sugyas about like mice taking bread weird places, and these are like very complicated sugyas. In or three year olds. Right. Or three year olds more being <laughs> more common. It's like if there's two houses and you're not sure which one the the mouse went into with the bread. Like what do you do then? Like, and these are like very specific scenarios. Right. But like you can get so lost in the details of that, and you forget what the big picture is here. And I think this this macro framework really. I mean, that's that. how we work with in, ter- in with health. I, you can't. People come in and and tell me, oh, I have a horrible back pain. Right. I'm like, okay, let's take a look at your knee and let's work on your upper back. They're like, no, I said my lower back is hurting me. I'm like, yeah, but there's stuff going on in your knees and there's stuff going on in your upper back, and if we're just focusing on the lower back, you're not going to feel we're not going to address the the underlying issue which is causing you pain right so we can't you can't work with just one part of you you can't and that's your physical body that's time that's space it's we're we're holistic beings right so we want to you know i was always taught that we we learned torah klal prat klal so yeah, yeah we we need to have a big picture view of what's going on we need to zoom in, understand all the details, but then we need to take that big picture view again and see how are all of these little details of what we're doing throughout throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the month, throughout the year, how are they all connected? Because they are all connected because right. that's how this world yeah. in Hashem works. Right. That fluidity is really like, that's the cure for the Eitzadas. In other words, like the ability to go up and down the ladder and exactly. be in it and then above it and in it and then looking at from every angle and having the the flexibility to not get embedded in one particular layer and then that actually causes mitzarim because you're stuck in some space and then it's like well and, and even if you, that space is useful but at a certain point you just start to stagnate because your mind your neshama like your body also knows when yeah. it's trapped somewhere and even if it you, you got into that space for a reason you're exploring some detail which is probably an important detail but then if you kind of stay there too long and then you lose the rest of the picture, you're, you start to experience the, dis, the dis-ease of that, and it causes real damage. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so I guess, um, so what do you, what's, what's your take on, uh, on wine on Purim? How would you think about that as both a person who loves Purim, loves Torah, but also thinks in terms of you know, body relationships, like how to, how to drink in a useful way? Yeah, I mean, as someone who does not drink wine throughout the year, I... I absolutely drink wine on Purim and lots of water <laughs> and um, and I use it as a tool to be able to to access that to turn off that the control of the mind and 
and go go into the heart, go into the gut, and and it it, it opens us up for connection in a completely different way. We don't we're not supposed to get wasted. Yes, that is <laughs> which is the perfect word that because is word. <laughs> what is the word wasted? It's like it's basically taking what you are and just burning it. Yeah, a little bit tipsy. Right, a little bit tipsy throughout the day. That doesn't require a tremendous amount of of. Um, of wine, of alcohol. (laughs) Um, but, but we want to keep ourselves in a state where, yeah, I'm, I am more smiley and I am more, more freely share, just wanting to share brachot and, and smiling and giving hugs to my friends and, and being in connection with both a different part of myself that's a little bit less inhibited, um, and also open to to seeing to seeing things from a different perspective, and and um, I understand people who don't, and I totally respect um, for all sorts of different reasons people who choose not to drink, um, whether because of age or personal experience. There are legitimate reasons to not not partake in drinking alcohol right. on Purim, um, but in at the right age in the right environment with the right intentions and that's really yeah. really important yeah. because if you if you go into perm and you start drinking just to get wasted you're completely missing the point but if you're setting your intention to be connected to Hashem to let Hashem's light and love flow through you to to really feel that that expansiveness that is possible that I am an endless being, roots going all the way down into the earth, and and my highest potential reaching all the way up to Shemaim. That's what we need to be able to begin exploring the the opening of of the narrow passages to lead right. us to freedom. But right. if we don't know where we're starting from and where we're trying to get you're, to, you're drinking, we get lost. You're drinking here, basically. Yeah. Yeah. You're. I guess um, usually when I talk about alcohol, so I I think the intention is like it's exactly how you said it. It's the most central in terms of alcohol and Purim, and oftentimes I've obviously been at a lot of different Purim sudas and hosted Purim sudas where there's people who get very drunk and then they start to cry. Yeah. And that's actually like usually what I, like I'll 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 say I, either before Purim or someone's in the, in the setting. I don't usually say because someone's crying in the moment. You're not going to give you're not going to tell them this, but. Um, what what I what I think a lot of the time what that is or what it can be at least is that it's actually the avoda of tishabav. In other words, the tishabav is that there's something about life that is very painful, and we hide it inside all the time because it hurts. And tishabav, the example there is that Hashem, you know, basically just destroyed is basically the equivalent of Hashem dying, because it's like Hashem's manifest presence in the world in a kli, which is what a body is, which is why we have all these avelos men hugging around tishabav. So, and we basically live with that pain all the time. Yeah. We might not even remember that we're living with it. And mm-hmm. then when you get drunk, so then suddenly pain that you have buried comes out. So, Absolutely. And that, that fits for Tisha but not for Purim. So. Um, I, yes and no. I, I, think they, I think that there's absolutely a place for that on Purim. Yeah. Every, every, every year, I, I mean, I... I plug back into Migdalos, yeah. <laughs> where I studied for many years, and we have the tradition as women. We don't we don't have the chiv to be drinking during the daytime, and as mo- wives and mothers, we obviously don't have the opportunity to be to right. be engaged with this during the daytime. Um, so, in order to allow the husbands 
to be to be fulfilling this mitzvah during the daytime. At nighttime, there's an opportunity for women to get together, and we dance the entire night. And um, and there's drinking of wine in abundance, and <laughs> um, and tefillah, and and it's the most beautiful beautiful experience. And there's always a point where where there's tremendous crying, but from a place of love and sure, connection. Yeah. And, and, and part of what, what the wine is, is doing is it's, it's shifting our inhibition and allowing us to feel all the feelings and express all the feelings that we're usually too... Um, walled off. Too walled off, too yeah. proper, yep. too I, needing to fit into what makes other people comfortable to actually access. And, right. and I think it's, a, it's an important and valuable um, thing to be doing. Not on our own. Like we're right. not. We're not supposed to. Be, like last year, a lot of people were doing suda on their own. Yep. We are not meant to be doing that. Yes. That is Agreed. not how Hashem designed this to it's be. Literally, what we were saying before about the Mishnah Manos. And when you're able yeah. to be, when you're able to hold space or join a person in in that in that pain, um, in that sadness, it's a it's a little bit less lonely and it has the opportunity to transform it. Yeah, that I think that's that would be a very pure and and that, that's I, I think that's like the most Torah way I can imagine of channeling the loss of Hashem that is a different time of year into I guess you could say the tikkun of Purim, as we said earlier, is like to have Hashem while also being in the world, like simultaneously balanced to undo the distortion that's Torah. Like you basically are like able to be with Hashem in your normal world space. So yeah. that's, that is the tikkun for the, the Tisha B'Av side. So that's and actually no, a great way of saying it. Uh, right, it's clear what it is, right, <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yeah, so I guess, um, and I guess just in terms of the mechanics of it, what I, I guess what I would want to just add is like the, I mean, you already said this, it's not really adding, but just like the, um, the drinking in its function is that it kind of like makes our mind mitushtash. It's like you start, you start to see how like, the way that things look, it's almost like a psychedelic experience, but like a, a small, very small one. You know, it's like <laughs> there's like things that seem like they're one way all the time. Again, the lenses that we have, this is the way the world is. We see it as it is. So we tend to think we get embedded in whatever particular um, narrow spaces we find ourselves backed into by accident. And then when you drink a little bit, so then it starts to shake that up, and you and you feel like you could be different, like you said, right? You could you could yeah. just behave differently in a way that's not destructive, just be different and you can access different modes of being that are just not as easily accessible and that loosens the perceptual spaces and then actually then acts as a trigger for freeing ourselves for actually becoming a new version of ourselves, which is literally what you know that's the freedom of Pesach is about is about trying to unleash the the newness and and reassessing yourself to be a like a a, a, a reboot almost of yourself if you want like depending on where you're at and what you want to be and just yeah. to sort of let go of all the just because you were one way yesterday doesn't that mean you have to be exactly the same thing today so yeah i, th- I really i really uh usually i'm, I'm a little like when i deal with people who are crying on perm so often it, it, there's a lot of crying from a place of failure where it's like mm-hmm. feelings of like i'm a failure i'm a failure and like i think that there's obviously that that's that's every feeling has a place and and should be understood but I also sometimes it, it ends up eclipsing. It's like, yeah, of course, we're all failures in a lot of ways. But like that's part of the normalcy where now Hashem is in the failure with us on Purim. So it's like, like feel the pain, okay. But like don't forget to take the next step 
and take that pain and be like, it's okay. Like, even though it hurts, like, that's part of my story. And, like, it's not just, like, an isolated thing where I'm a failure, I'm terrible. But it, it's, it's part of my story. It is not me. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I am not a failure. Right. I have had failures. Yeah. That's a really important distinction. Right. Because one is very, it's very distorted. In other words, it's das tovarah. It's, das tovara. it's yeah. like you're seeing yourself purely in one way, and your story is a flow, and there's so much that's there. So, yeah, I, I think that's, I, I, that's why it's called getting wasted, like we said before. Like, when you do drink too much, so maybe in some cases at least, it's because if we feel like we, we are a failure, so we're drinking from das tovara. Instead of, like, using alcohol to cure and to... to loosen the distorted or the the smaller perspectives we're actually drinking to escape having to face them and that's like that's a waste because like if you're hurting from thinking that you're a failure the answer isn't to just numb yourself from it it's to face it and realize that perception is part of a much larger truth that if you can access it then you don't see yourself that way anymore and then you can live with your mistakes while also becoming greater so if we bring this back to the tree yeah right so if if the preparation for Purim is, since the preparation for Purim <laughs> is to be shvat, before we start this this process of drinking, um, really we can become aware of the fact that I'm still growing. Right. I am still growing. I have not revealed my my flowers, my fruit. I have more to give. I have more to grow. I am. I'm still in the pot process of becoming, right? right? And and if we can go in with that intention and that mindset, that embodied awareness, ah, oh, then we can flow. Right. That's I guess you know just when we say that Hashem is melech meimit umechayeh umatzmiach Yeshua, like to be matzmiach Yeshua. Is like that's it's a process where there to be matzmiach anything is like there's a lot of patience, there's a lot of destruction in the middle of growing something because pieces of it don't make it or mm-hmm. die in order for it to become further expressed. So yeah, again, like that's that's why perm is olam haba. In other words, like that's the that's the theme of olam haba is that everything is it's olam shakolazman ba. In other words, it's like it's you can look at it from a place of process where you can see that. This is a story as opposed to olam hazeh, which is literally like, it means olam of this. It's like, it's the this perspective. So it's just very exciting to imagine, like, can you imagine if every day was actually Purim? And again, obviously it's so fun too. I do like to think but like, of you it. know, like, like the Gemara says, like the people who are b'nei olam haba are the jokesters, like the comedians. Yeah. And like the reason for that is because the, like comedy is literally this. It's like, it's taking things that are opposites, like, and, and then having them collide. And then you see like yeah. this bizarre phenomenon that you didn't expect. And if you're detached enough, you have to have some gvura in comedy because if, if you empathize too much with the weird situation that you're seeing, then you'll you'll feel feelings instead of laughing. But like you know, incongruity of somebody who's who's walking and slips and falls. So people made may have made comedy sketches out of that. So there's two ways you could perceive it. You could perceive it from a distance, in which case it's very incongruous. Like people are not supposed to be on the ground, not supposed to be falling. So then if you're distant from it, then you're going to be you'll, you'll you'll laugh at it. And if you're not doesn't remember you're emotionally involved in it, then you'll empathize. And of course, in real life, somebody falls, you're not supposed to laugh at that. Yeah. But if somebody makes a comedy sketch out of it, there's a reason why it's funny. It's funny because it's incongruous. And that's like, that's the same paradox of Purim that you have like 
these two things. There's like the regular world in all of its randomness. You know, like literally, that's the, that's the Purim. Are like it's, there's so many random things, that, seemingly random things that happen that are almost laughable at how wacky they are. And underneath that, there is this ocean of direction and purpose and planning, and it's all going somewhere. Yeah. That's like a wildly incongruous set of things that just do not go together, and yet they are part of a seamless oneness. And Al-Mahabha is all that in its fully unified form. Like, that's wild. Yeah. So if we experience Purim on an intellectual level, we're kind of missing it. Yeah, because it's, right? it's a totality. But the more we experience it on, on an embodied level, and and when I say embodied, I mean bringing your physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, energetic awareness into what it is, into the intentions that you're setting, into the the, the giving, the receiving, all of the mitzvot of the day. The body remembers. Mm-hmm. You're imprinting it. You are imprinting it, and you can you can recreate. And reconnect to that experience throughout the year. Right. And so living living Purim throughout the year suddenly doesn't seem so far-fetched. Right. Like we're not supposed to be getting drunk every single day. That would be horrible for us. But to be in this in this connection of, of awareness of grounding. Let's go back to our previous episode. We were talking about propping ourselves and we're talking about alignment, right? Right. And the balance between propping, collapsing, and yielding. So right. this quality of yielding is exactly what we're talking about with the roots. That there's a, there's a two-way relationship. You're letting the force of gravity hold you, right? And you're letting the support of the earth hold you. And we're trying to find the most effortless existence within that relationship. And when we find that, we're letting Hashem flow through us. Right. Right? So we need to know where we're grounded in order to receive that support and be able to expand up. And then we have the possibility of of opening up the constrictions in our jaw, in our throat, in our mind, in our diaphragm, in our in our gut, in our pelvis, everything that we hold onto out of fear, out of trauma, out of whatever it all is that it. all yeah. all of the feelings, anger, right? A lot of love reasons, but but when we allow ourselves, when we when we really experience Purim, the joy of Purim, and joy when you when <laughs> I mean. What happens when you think of joy in your body? When Just you start excited. feeling joy, yeah. there's excitement, but we start to smile and there's this widening that takes place, right. right? There's a widening. You feel it in your eyes. You can feel it in your lips. You can even feel it in your ears if you're really paying attention mm-hmm. and you, you automatically want to open up and like, it's perfect, right? Your hands open up. Everything becomes wider and more expansive. Right. Oh, that's freedom. You can take a deep breath. You can... Yeah, I think, I mean, what you're, like, it sounds like basically what we're doing is we're leaning. In other words, we're like, you know, by leaning, I mean, like, we're leaning on the roots. Like, think about your roots as being your... Leaning your... happens on Pesach. Right, sorry, I'm getting <laughs> confused there for a second. But, like, you have these roots that are in the ground. Instead of, like, instead of trying to use, like, like the way you spoke about it, like you, like, you spoke about it in the, um, in the alignment episode, if we try so hard to almost, like, control things with, like, the upper part of ourselves, and, like, if you just let yourself 
lean on your on your source. I'm going to offer you a different word. Yeah. Yield. Yield. Not like lean, though. I kind of like. I'm imagining like trees because trees, they just kind of like. No matter how much they move upstairs, you know, like they're just kind of they're, they're yielding embedded. to gravity. They're yeah. yielding to the wind. All right, We're I'll allowing go ourselves. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll just yes. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna grow right now. I'm gonna just change and change it to yield. I guess I also wanted to say like the um you know that line in the Megillah that like everyone because like we say like it, we say it very intensely like because the the trap of it is ki macharish tacharishi and the line is basically like ki macharish tacharishi beisazos like Mordechai is trying to to he has an in to try to save all of us because his his family member is now the queen of the entire you know all these countries provinces so like he wants like he, he's trying to control the situation it's like he's like i got i have this connection i have to go and use her to like convince the king to stop and hopefully because she's married to the king she'll have enough influence and power to convince him so what he should say if that's what he's trying to do is he should say to her like if you're if you're silent during this time like we're all gonna die like you have to save us, go in, and, and and we have to stop this. He doesn't say that though. He says like the the most bizarre thing that somebody in that situation would ever be expected to say. He says, "Like salvation for the Jews will come from somewhere else. So if you don't, if you're silent now, that's fine. It will still it will still be saved. And the throw-in is You and your family's house will just you'll be you'll disappear. And like there's a few deep layers to what why what that means, but like. Definitely, the 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 core principle is, I think, what you're what you're saying. In other words, what he's basically saying is, I'm not um, going to try to force the situation. Like you're in a certain place, in a certain time, in a certain role. So like you have a choice now. Do you want to be the hero or the villain? Like what role do you want to play? But like I'm I'm just giving you that information because I want you to have the choice so you can decide. You can actively know what what's going on. But like, if you choose to be the villain, or should, and, which is the do nothing approach, because that's still villainous. So, okay, like someone else will will step up and be the hero. It will happen because Hashem's taking it there. So I, Mordechai, can be calm. I don't have to be like attempting so hard to make everything happen the way that I need it to happen because I know what should be. Like I can lean on Hashem yeah, on my yeah, roots. Exactly. So it's exactly. really that. Yeah, um, I was listening. My friend Tahila was sharing beautiful insight um, on exactly this. They, they, according to modern psychology, if you're trying to like convince someone and encourage someone to do something, step out of their comfort zone and, and accomplish something really important, like we would probably say like, yeah, you can do this and, and you, ha- you have everything that you need and I'm here supporting right. you and you got this. And like, that's really not what Mordecai says. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> He's like, do it or don't. Set, like, it's on is, you. You make a choice. It's on you. Do this. And if not, Hashem's going to take care of it. Right. And, um, and, and that's, that's where we really see the transformation happening with Esther, where she goes from passive things happening to her to, to taking charge and, and really v'nafochu. Right. And, and we don't make these huge transformations by, by coddling. <laughs> that's so interesting. I never thought about how that's the point where she transforms like that. That's where she transforms. Like even, the, you know, they Absolutely. describe her in the Gemara, uh, which is a, a you know, a very difficult term to ever face about a person, but she's called Karka Olam, essentially, in other words, because she gets into this relationship with the king, and he's physically with her, and she doesn't want any of this, right? This yeah. is not, she didn't ask for this. And that, that phrase literally means, like, you're like, you're like, you're just the ground. You know, you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're a non-entity. And then she go and, and, you know, when Chazal say that, so usually it's, it's taught in a certain context to describe, like, what she, like, how she dealt with these violations, and maybe after that, the, the first time that, that happened, then later on she went to him more will, willingly in order to try to seduce him. 
But like you th- we think about the terminology, they're much more about like sort of like her, just what it's like to be a, a, a person, a woman in that situation. But I think that now, as you said that, like the, the term clicked into my head suddenly and I was like, I think they're saying that term for a reason. Like they're trying to show you that she was first this passive presence and then she went, and it's not just about the halachic implication that maybe now she can't be with Mordechai if we assume that they were married because now she went willingly as opposed to being violated. It's actually telling you there's a shift here where she first is just a quiet, passive character and then it's like everything is tactics. And by the way, the tactics continue in a very manipulative way. In other words, the th- all, all, all the things that she says to Achashverosh, if you go through the story, we don't have to examine the whole thing now, obviously, but like there's all these little games that she does, word games, the two different parties are all designed... Or, and then she tells, she tells him, I want you, like, he, he's obviously very interested when she comes to him. And, and she, and he's, because usually she has not been interested in him. Suddenly he, she invites him to a, a private right. party. And then she says, I want you to come with another, another guy. And who is it? It's Haman. And she's basically building this case to try to get Ahasuer so riled up that when she finally pulls the trigger on it, which does happen, hopefully he'll just execute him. And you even see in the story what happens is like, like uh, um, Ahasuerus actually gets up enraged when he finds out that Haman is the guy, but then he doesn't—he doesn't execute him. He leaves, goes out into the garden, and that's probably the scariest part of the story because all her manipulations—they almost fell apart right then. And then instead, like, but then, but then when he comes in, by coincidence, again, coincidences happen. Haman came to Esther where she was sitting on the bed to like lie down before, like to to bow before her and kneel to like try to get her to for, for, to get him off the hook. And then Ahasuerus sees that, and that's already too much. And he literally goes into a rage and gets him killed because like, yeah. he thinks that he's trying to jump her in the spot. And it's like there's so many little manipulative things that are going on there that she was trying to set up. And you see, like this is like a a person who is like thinking tactically. She yeah. goes from just being like a, just a person who's there to like I am taking control as much as I can and trying to work this to get it where it needs to go. And that's also really like like doing things, but. And doing what she can do. Like, she's trying to do what she can and do. And her, her, that potential was always there. Yeah. When did it manifest? When when she, she got out of her own way. When, when, we, when, we, when we believe that it's, that it's all up to us, that we are in control, that we are making things happen, we can shut down. Right. Right? But when we go into this place of channeling Hashem and this is, use me. Use me to increase your light in this world. Use the skills, the talents, the, the, the strengths. Tactics, the even the and mental manipulative tactics. Exactly. Yeah. Use all these gifts that you have chosen to give me and let, let me channel your, your light. And that, that's what we're trying to do on Purim. Right. That's what we're trying to do on Purim and that's how we become free in Pesach. Right. To actually be ready to receive the Torah, to 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 be, that's how we become free in Pesach to begin the process of Sfirata Omer of going through all the different midot to be ready for right. Pesach to to receive the Torah. But now I'm getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, that'll, that'll, be, that'll be the, the Pesach episode. <laughs> I guess like I mean, we can just wrap up because we're out of time. But like, but I I, I kind of want to I want to stress like the that the the grounding and the the physical manifestation or the control or the tactical side like just because i think often it's 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 really hard to find the balance because it really is paradoxical yeah. letting go but also being active these things are opposites and like in esther's example you really see how she did a lot of manipulations and yet in the end Ahasuerus still left the room and he was he went outside to cool off and that might have led to a situation where he wouldn't have actually killed haman so even all of her tactics didn't really get her there and then this other set of coincidences that she didn't really even plan like between Haman doing what he did, trying to get close to her, and then and then Harvona was like, "Oh, 
there's like this tree that you could hang him on. Like, and we say Harvona Zachar Lato because it's so hard to know when do I yield and when do I do and back and forth. Yeah. So I'll just leave our listeners and viewers with um, a useful tip. Yeah. Um, we can ask ourselves that where become aware of where where you're supported by the earth. Right now we're sitting, so my feet are on the ground, um, my bottom is on the chair, I my back is leaning against the chair. Those are all places where I'm receiving support. And then we can go one step further and check in, where is my body saying no to gravity? Where am I holding myself? And usually there are different physical parts of our body that we are holding. Right. And when we become aware of them, we allow the possibility of them saying yes to gravity and surrendering a little bit towards the support of the earth. And often when we allow that surrender to take place, a thought or a feeling will reveal itself. Oh, I was holding on to that thought or that belief or that fear or whatever it is. I can let it go a little bit, or I can view it from a different perspective. Mm -hmm. I can bring it into my conscious awareness and, and choose if I want to shift my perception of perspective of what that is. And, and that's how we allow transformation to take place. So if we're constantly holding ourselves, then we block ourselves off from that. But if we take the support that Tubishvat is inviting us to connect to, and we open ourselves up to the heights of Purim, then we can Bezrat Hashem be Zoha to experience the freedom. And you can of actually and you can actually do more. In other yeah. words, letting go, often we think of it as I'll be able, I won't be able to do as much because I'm not putting in as much effort. It's actually the other way. By letting go, yeah. it unlocks. Because we're not collapsing. It's right. a two-way relationship. Right. I'm yielding into the support. There is weight going down. There is support coming up. There is a relationship. Receiving right. the breath and releasing what I no longer need. Right. Receiving the support of the earth and the support of gravity and letting Hashem flow through us. Right. It's awesome. Yeah, the <laughs> All right. So to everybody, obviously, Perm Samas, thanks so much for joining us. And you can learn more about what Ariela does at yogawithariela.com. And if these tools are helpful, um, please let us know. Um, if you have yeah. any questions, please be in touch. Yeah, reach out in the comments on YouTube, or you can also just go straight to yasoblocks.com. We have a, a dedicated WhatsApp uh, channel there where you can literally re- reach out. You can reach me directly on my phone, but questions for Ariela can also come through that. I'm happy to, to send them to her and then forward voice notes from her directly, all kinds of methods like that. So reach out, any feedback, questions you might have. Thanks so much for joining us and Purim Samech to everybody. Good Purim!